morning, everybody. Welcome to a Friday edition of the We Tackle Life podcast. I'm Bruce Hooley. Glad to have you along. Glad I'm sitting here talking about a 92-82 high State victory over Penn State. It's never easy when the Buckeyes go to State College, is it? Uh, the other two times they got beat by, I think it's right around 23 and 22 points under Chris Holtman. Not Holtman's fault. Penn State's just, for whatever reason, motivated, angered, inspired, something by Ohio State. When they see the Buckeyes coming, Penn State plays its absolute best. And last night, it was ridiculous from three-point range, the shots they were hitting to stay in the game. We'll get into all the particulars. I want to first of all thank you for joining and remind you that you can support the podcast on Patreon if you are so inclined. Search Spielman and Hooley. Haven't been able to get the name changed yet. And also, send us an email. Let us know what you think of the uh, opinions expressed here, particularly the faith segment. That's the thing that I'm doing the podcast for long-term. I like to try to think of my life in terms of what do I do, who do I do it for, and what's the purpose in doing it. And so for me, that's I get people from guys, men mostly, who listen to a sports podcast, try to entertain them, enlighten them, and then with the faith part, inspire them. So love to hear your thoughts on the faith portion of the podcast, its applicability to you, its usefulness. And uh, I certainly hope that's the purpose that the podcast is serving. So send those emails to wetacklelife at gmail.com, wetacklelife at gmail.com. Support our sponsors. You see the Hemisphere Coffee Roaster sign has moved in the background so that you will remember that you can order the world's best coffee from the world's best growers from, in my opinion, the world's best coffee company, one that gives back to small coffee farmers in countries that are impoverished. Indonesia, Thailand, Nicaragua. They buy it direct. Grower gets more money, furthers efforts in his local community, and you get awesome coffee. And every bean is hand-picked and roasted in Mechanicsburg, Ohio, which is just a stone's throw from where I am, which is just a stone's throw, throw from Columbus. So two stone's throws and you are there. Stop by their beautiful facility in Mechanicsburg. It's small, it's quaint, but it's really cool, and you'll get to meet Paul Grace, Andy, and all the great people from Hemisphere. Tell them you're a Spielman and Hooley an old Spielman and Hooley, a current We Tackle Life podcast listener, and you'll get 15% off. You can order online, HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com, and also get 15% off when you use the promo code We Tackle Life in all caps. Okay, 92.82 over Penn State. It's a really good thing, a really, really good thing, although for a while it was dicey. When you shoot, I think Ohio State was 11 of 15 on two-point shots in the first half, and six of... Nine on three-point shots in the first half, and they were up four. Now, that can happen if you turn it over a ton or if you're getting hammered on the glass, giving the other team a lot of second-chance baskets. Neither was the case against Penn State. They were just shooting it great, too, and hanging around and hanging around. And Penn State is not a team that hits threes, except when they play Ohio State. They have played five games since playing at Ohio State earlier this year. And I had the numbers in front of me last night. They're on my Twitter uh, feed. But basically, Penn State had not had more than nine threes in a game and had not shot better than 33% from three in any of the five games between their first game against Ohio State and their second one. In their first game against Ohio State, they shot like 45% from threes and had, I think, 11. And last night, I think they had 12. And for a while, they were 10 for 20. 
Then they missed a few, hit one at the end. But Ohio State got the win. And it is, Chris Holtman looked like absolutely uh, drained and disheveled after the game. As much as he's, I've, I've ever seen him, really. And I mean, you know, you don't have to wear a suit and tie. It's a lot cooler where they're playing these games without fans in these environments in this COVID era than it is during a regular year where the arenas are packed and hot and sweaty. But Holtman looked like he had been through it last night, man. And I think it was just this giant sigh of relief that we finally shook these guys because, you know, there was just this, just this strange game. I outlined the shooting in the first half. You'd think you'd have a big lead. Uh, nobody's in foul trouble starting the second half. And then EJ Liddell just took the bait, slapped at a defensive rebound, had no chance to get it, incurred a silly second foul, and then bang, he got a third one because Penn State's big man you can't touch or breathe on or look at, or it's a foul, uh, even though he throws people around like ragdolls in the lane. Uh, so then Liddell's on the bench, and then he comes back in, he gets a fourth, and it's like, holy smokes, but what do we always say about this team? You never know who, you never know when, and Chris Holtman presses the right buttons, and he did it last night. He found a way on a night where Seth Towns struggled and Seth Towns got hurt. And nice missed call, Big Ten officials. Seth Towns on a free throw line, trying to get a rebound. He's the third guy up, okay, because Ohio State was shooting a free throw. No, he was the second guy. I'm sorry. He was the second guy up. So there's a Penn State guy to Seth Towns left. And there's a Penn State guy to Seth Towns right, Isaiah Brockington. And Seth Towns, you know, goes into the lane trying to get the rebound. Brockington walks right over the top of him, like pushes him. You know, by st he stepped on Seth Towns' right leg right under the knee. And Towns goes down because, you know, he's missed two complete, almost two complete seasons of college basketball with knee injuries and surgeries and complicated recoveries. So he goes down, probably a reflexive action. The Penn State guy to Towns' left falls over Towns, and you guessed it, the foul's on Towns. Just ridiculous. Uh, but there were a, an assortment, a few ridiculous calls last night. There always are in the Big Ten. You have to persevere through them. And if you're frustrated by the officiating last night, and I was, prepare to have your lid blown Sunday. Because how that game is called between Ohio State and Michigan is going to determine in large measure how it unfolds and possibly who wins. Because while Ohio State has been labeled by many coaches as the most physical team in the Big Ten, which I find laughable, but Chris Holtman does stress playing physical, playing tough, playing, he always calls it with force. I cannot for the life of me understand how people look at Ohio State, diminutive as they are, and say they're a physical basketball team. Minnesota? Yes. Uh, Wisconsin? Yes. Clutchy, grabby, cheaty Brad Davison. Uh, Penn State? Yes. Very physical. And Michigan is, to me, the most physical of them. Illinois with Kofi Coburn, the largest human being I've ever laid eyes on personally, yes. But Michigan with Hunter Dickinson and Austin Davis and Franz Wagner, Mo Wagner's little brother, little figuratively, he's 6'9", uh, although I guess Mo was like 6'10", so technically he is his little brother. But they are huge. Isaiah Livers is huge and wide, and their point guard is little, but he's wide. He's a fire plug. He looks like a reincarnation of Xavier Simpson with the style that he plays, how he goes to the basket, how he offers those you know off-the-dribble one-hand one -hand layups. Michigan's really good. They're really good. Number three in the country, once beaten. 
Um, and it's going to be a supreme challenge for Ohio State. And if the officials put Kyle Young and E.J. Liddell in foul trouble because they're trying to keep Hunter Dickinson from backing him down right under the basket, which is what Hunter Dickinson does, and it's what uh, Austin Davis does, if they're going to allow Michigan to do that and they're going to call Ohio State for like trying to body up and hold their spot, then it's really going to be hard for Ohio State to win that game. Uh, I wish the fan. This is like the first game this year that I really felt like the fans could make. Well, the first home game this year that I felt like the fans could make a huge difference for Ohio State. Clearly, Ohio State's been helped on the road at Rutgers, at Wisconsin, at Illinois by not having fans in the building. This might be one of those days where you pay the cost for not having fans because they really are going to encounter, I would say, the best team they're going to play yet. On Sunday, 1 o'clock, CBS, number three and number four. Here's a little tidbit for you. Ohio State and Michigan have never, ever played in basketball as top five teams. You could say, well, what about 92 regional finals? That Michigan team did not end the regular season with the Fab Five in its freshman year as a top five team. Ohio State was a top five team, but Michigan was not. They've played a lot of games, I'm sure, where both of them have been in the top ten Certainly top 20, but never both in the top five. Michigan is three. Ohio State is four. Michigan is 15 and one. Ohio State is now 18 and four. What about common opponents? What can we gather from this? Okay. Michigan's had a very cushy Big Ten schedule. They have not played Iowa yet, and they have not played Illinois yet. That's a nice way to live. Yeah, they had a very fortuitous COVID postponement that kept them from playing Illinois. Uh, They're only going to get Iowa once, and they get Iowa coming up. So they only losses to Minnesota. Ohio State got pounded in Minneapolis. Michigan got pounded in Minneapolis, 75 to 57. Okay, so they're similar right there. Ohio State and Michigan are similar. What about other teams that have given Ohio State trouble? Purdue beat Ohio State twice. Michigan beat them by 17. Northwestern beat Ohio State once. Michigan beat them by 19. Penn State, Ohio State, first time it was four. Last night it was 10. Michigan beat Penn State by four. So there's, you know, okay, eh, there's hope. I don't feel like Ohio State can't win this game. I just feel like this is really, it's going to be their biggest challenge because it's their best opponent. It just is. Uh, You may encounter in your life looming, daunting opponents. If you do, and it's in the legal realm, Willis Spangler Starling is the law firm for you. They do a great job with all aspects in their wide-ranging practice, personal injury, wills estate planning, probate, employment law, workers' compensation. They are experts. They view their expertise in the law as their way of serving humanity, and their priority is to make sure that when anyone comes through the door and is now in a situation they're not familiar with, a lawsuit, either as the defendant or as the person pressing the action because they're Legal rights have been infringed upon. Willis Spangler Starling understands that that is a very uncomfortable place for you. And while they are extremely adept at navigating that process, they know that it puts you on high alert. And so they're all over it in the way that they minister to you, keep you informed, and shepherd you through that process. I cannot recommend them more highly than to tell you they are my attorney firm. Willis Spangler Starling. Online, willisattorneys.com. Willis attorneys.com. You can follow them on Twitter and should because they post a lot of creative and informative videos. Their Twitter handle is at Spangler 
Willis, but their website is Willis, W-I-L-L-I-S, attorneys.com. All right. Uh, I have never had for Michigan basketball this constant, utter disdain that I have had for Indiana basketball because, honestly, Michigan's had some years where it's been irrelevant. But then it's had some years where it's been unbelievable. 89, Glenn Rice, national champions, Steve Fisher stepping in for Bill Frieder. The Fab Five era was supremely painful. I hated that they were so full of um, hubris. It's <laughs> a nice way to say it. They were cocky. I didn't care for their manner at all. I thought they disrespected their opponents. Um, I don't like them to this day. I don't like Weber. I don't like Rose. And I certainly am not a fan of Jawan Howard. It's not Jawan Howard's fault. I get it. It's the exuberance of youth. But in the locker room outside the Ohio State uh, team locker room, in the hallway outside the locker room after the 92 loss to Michigan in Lexington in the regional finals, you could hear Juwan Howard continually shouting, we shocked the world, we shocked the world. And I just was like, felt so bad for Jim Jackson and Chris Gent and Jamal Brown and Mark Baker and Lawrence Funderburk and the guys on that team. And I just, I will never forget him screaming at it. I can hear it to this day. And so anything that can happen that disappoints Juwan Howard in the basketball realm, I'm all about it. And hopefully one of those things will happen on Sunday. Yes, I know he's entitled to celebrate a victory, just like I would celebrate a victory if I were in that situation. I'm just saying, I still hear it, and I don't like it. So when Juwan Howard was named the head coach at Michigan, I thought they'd gotten appreciably worse because I thought, well, it's a matter of time before they're on probation. <laughs> I mean, look. Look at the program he he existed in. Yeah, got slammed by the NCAA too late, and they – Boo-hoo the fact that they can't put their banners up. Sorry, you can't have a relationship with a bookmaker paying you cash to play basketball for the better part of a decade. Robert Tractor Trailer, uh, Lewis Bullock, Chris Weber. I'll never believe Jalen Rose wasn't involved in that. Sure, Ed Martin was paying Chris Weber, but he wasn't paying Jalen Rose, Detroit uh, Public League product, to play for Michigan. And Perry Reese Jr., the coach Jalen Rose's high school coach ends up on the bench at Michigan and is the liaison to Ed Martin, the bookmaker. And no, Jalen Rose didn't take any money. Sure, right. Juwan Howard from Chicago, where corruption was invented. Oh, no, he didn't take any money. Right, yeah. As John Cooper would say, I was born at night. I wasn't born last night. So I believe eventually Michigan will get into some kind of hot water with the NCAA because of Juwan Howard. He's got Chicago in him. He's got the Fab Five in him. And he's got LeBron James, Miami Heat, entitlement in him. So hopefully, yes, I have like, I lose all sense of objectivity when it comes to Juwan Howard and Michigan and the Fab Five. And uh, Beeline was a fantastic coach. When he left for the Cavs, I thought that's not going to work. And it didn't. And I feel really bad for John Beeline because it was impossible to not like John Beeline. He's just a wonderful man. And he's a tremendous basketball coach. Tremendous. But Jawan Howard, with what he's inherited, done a pretty good job. Pretty good job. And I think Sunday will decide Big Ten Coach of the Year. Now, Holtman won't have it locked up if Ohio State wins the game because, of course, Ohio State still has to play Illinois and Iowa and at Michigan State. Meanwhile, uh, Michigan's finishing schedule, ooh, so daunting, Indiana, Iowa, and Michigan State. So 
Those are three W's for Michigan. I don't think Iowa can beat Michigan. Although Garza inside will be an interesting matchup against Hunter Dickinson. Hunter Dickinson is 7-1. Freshman from Virginia. And then they've got this 6-10 Austin Davis coming off the bench. And Wagner's 6-9. And Livers is 6-7. They've got another freshman forward that they stole out of East Lansing. What are you doing, Tom Izzo? Who's uh, 6-8. They are big. And they are physical. So we'll see what we get with the officiating on Sunday. Uh, you may not know this, but it is true. Open enrollment's back open. Joe Biden signed an executive order. Typically, open enrollment is mid-November through December. Now it is mid-February through March. It'll still, I think, be open in December. He just wanted to open it back up to uh, appeal to his base. And it's really the one, I don't know what else is in it. It's the one executive order that I was like, mm, okay, so what? Shrugged my shoulders over that one. Some of them have raised my eyebrows over, many of them. But this one, advantages you because it gives you another opportunity to do what you maybe didn't do in December, and that is allow AUIinfo.com to shepherd you through the process of health insurance selection. If you've not looked at your insurance in two years, two, you really need to because A, Chrissy at AUIinfo.com tells me she can save you money, and B, your benefits change, doctors change. Once the government got involved in health care, you know, this whole doctors living on autopilot changed. Uh, if you ever go in for a physical or you ever talk to your doctor, they'll tell you how much different their world is since eh, about 2009, the advent of Obamacare. So it behooves you because companies are always trying to adjust and stay ahead and all that to look at your health insurance or better yet, have someone who does it free and their compensation comes from the insurance companies look at it for you because they know all the answers and all the ins and outs. And that's auiinfo.com. They can ask answer your questions on chat on their website, auiinfo.com, or via Zoom call if you like, or via phone call or in person, auiinfo.com, auiinfo.com. Uh, speaking of Michigan, did you see where Joe Milton, their next great quarterback at the start of last season, has entered the transfer portal? He's in the portal. Dylan McCaffrey's in the portal. Pretty much everybody who is a quarterback at Michigan has either come from the portal, Jake Rudick, Shea Patterson, or entered the portal on their way out of Ann Arbor. Brandon Peters, uh, Dylan McCaffrey, Joe Milton. Another one? Seems to me there was another one. Another one started for them that was uh, is now gone. So... Harbaugh, Mr. Quarterback, uh, is down to two quarterbacks. I'm sure they'll add one in the transfer portal. Maybe they can find their own Gunner Hoke, somebody who's played at another school, comes in, gives them a veteran presence. But their quarterbacks at the moment are J.J. McCarthy and Cade McNamara. Now, Cade McNamara, you know, because he played last year, he took over the job for Joe Milton. But J.J. McCarthy, you may not know, unless you're a recruitnik, and he is a five-star recruit out of Illinois, played at IMG Academy in Florida last year, and, you know, of course, everybody loves the freshman coming in. The five-star excites everybody. And so they think he's going to start. I'll just say this. If you're going to run the zone read and you only have two scholarship quarterbacks, that's a risky proposition. That's a very, very risky proposition. And so Harbaugh in year six, I don't understand why he has a year six. Uh, Michigan also re-upped its athletic director, Ward Manuel, yesterday for five years. 
The only thing I would say about Ward Manuel, I mean, he looks like he's made a nice hire in Juwan Howard. I'm sure he's doing a good job with the finances. I'm sure he's doing a good job all over the program, except he couldn't do the hard thing. And I always rate somebody who's in a position like that, a general manager, a head coach, an AD. Everybody can do the job when things are good. I mean, when's the last time Gene Smith had a tough task to do? A really tough task to do. Firing Thad Mata, he, he took too long to do that. He should never have had to fire Thad. He should have gone to Thad and say, look, you're going out. We're going to make this happen. You're going to go out on terms that makes it appear that we love you and are doing the best thing for you by helping you realize that this is the time for you to take care of your body, take care of your family, take a pause. I know they tried to pull that off, and I'm so glad that Thad left under terms that he could come back, get the standing ovation, have his name, sport coat, retired, whatever. But um, I still think that they wasted a lot of time with Thad Mata. Now, we lucked out because we got Chris Holtman instead of Archie Miller. That's a topic that I covered last week when Ohio State is getting ready to play Indiana. But that was a hard thing that Gene had to do, and he wait, waited too long to do it, although it has ended up working out. The other hard thing Gene Smith had to do was declare a bowl ban, self-imposed, in 20, hmm, 2012, 20, 2011, 2012, Luke, the Luke Fickle year, because Gene just either myopically, optimistically, or incompetently thought they weren't going to get failure to monitor their program and the other NCAA violation, Biggie, I forget what it is, uh, lack of institutional control. He said they weren't going to get either. They got both. So he skated through uh, an enormous mistake right there because he didn't do the hard thing. You don't want to disappoint people. Say, oh, sorry, kids, no bull bid for you because of, I know it's not fair because of what Jim Trestle did. It's not because of what you did. So they go to the Gator Bowl. As a 6-6 six and six team, they get beat by Florida. They hire Urban Meyer. He goes undefeated his first year. And what did they get from the NCAA? A bull ban. Otherwise, had they taken the self-imposed bull ban, they would have been BCS bowl eligible. They would have played Notre Dame and Monty Teo and his fake girlfriend for the national championship. There you go. That's why you do the hard thing when it is required to be done. And Ward Manuel, the Michigan athletic director, could not do the hard thing and do it essentially like Ohio State didn't quite do, but almost did with Mata, which is, look, Jim, it's not working. You're a Michigan icon. We love you. But for the good of the program, we need to make a change. Matt Campbell's sitting out there in Ames, Iowa. He's winning at a crazy rate. He's beating Oklahoma. He's winning bowl games. He's a Maslin kid. The Bo Maslin tie. It all makes sense. Toledo guy. He's going to recruit. He's, you know, Matt Campbell's going to be our coach. So you can glowingly express your love for the university and realize that as much as it pains you to say, Michigan deserves better. And you wanted it to work, but it just didn't. And you love your time here and all that. Or, or we can kick you out the door. Instead, Ward Manuel re-upped Jim Harbaugh. Cut his pay, but still. He re-upped him. And eventually, 
Michigan is going to have to realize that Jim Harbaugh is not going to get the job done. And with Joe Milton transferring and Dylan McCaffrey transferring, here he sits in year six and his quarterback room is a train wreck. Now, J.J. McCarthy could save it. He could, theoretically. I don't know a thing about him other than his star rating. But I know this. Ohio State has C.J. Stroud, Jack Miller, and then they have Kyle McCord coming in this year. And then they have Quinn Ewers from Texas, the number one quarterback in the nation, coming in the year after that. Because it looks like Steve Sarkeesian is not making the inroads with Quinn Ewers that I thought he might make after he came over from Alabama. And Quinn Ewers is from, um, I think it's uh, Lake Ch- Austin something. Lake. I think he's from Baker Mayfield High School. Uh, same high school. Uh, so, is it something, I want to say Austin, Lake Carroll or Austin. Anyway, he's from Texas and he's a big, strong dude. And Ohio State's set. Ryan Day's not going to get caught short in a quarterback room. He'll have some of these guys transfer for sure, but he'll always make sure that he's bulletproofed at the quarterback position, and we never uh, need any more evidence of the importance of that than 2014, right? Braxton Miller goes down, JT Barrett goes down, Cardale Jones ready to go, national championship. So Jim Harbaugh dropping the ball, and Ward Manuel dropping the ball, and... uh, Michigan's football team is not a threat to Ohio State at all. Now, speaking of Michigan and Ohio State football and the tie between Michigan and Ohio State in basketball, I don't know that I love this, uh, but I don't hate it either. It's just kind of interesting. Uh, Ohio State has instituted a basketball version of the gold pants tradition. You know, in football, the football team, if they beat Michigan, they get gold pants. Some guys have had to build new wings on their house, bigger closets for all the gold pants they got coming here at Ohio State. It used to be Happy if you got two in a career. Now, if you don't get four or five, you know, what's the matter? <laughs> so, uh, in basketball, though, it's harder to get the gold jersey because Michigan and Ohio State are typically going to play in basketball twice a year at least, maybe more. And while I think uh, this Sunday's meeting is huge and has all kinds of ramifications, Big Ten title, Big Ten Coach of the Year, maybe National Coach of the Year. I'm not so sure I would say it's the last time these teams will meet. They could very easily meet at the Big Ten Tournament. They could very easily meet in the NCAA Tournament. Oh, we owe you, Michigan. So here's the deal. Here, I'll make a little deal with you, Michigan. You can have Sunday's game. You can have that. But if we play you for the National Championship in March, well, it'd be in April, if we play you for the National Championship, we get to win the rematch. We get to win the rematch. Then we'll call it even for Ed Martin's cheating and Chris Weber's cheating and Steve Fisher's cheating in 1992. Then we'll call it even. If Ohio State can knock you out of the NCAA tournament, that would be just fine. Just fine. Just fine with me. Okay. In the faith portion of the podcast today, as I said, I want to connect a couple Proverbs from Proverbs 19. It offers great instruction, this chapter of the Bible does, from Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived. He was David's son. He was the creation of an adulterous relationship between David and Bathsheba. So what does that tell us? Well, it tells us that God loves everyone, and even if you are the product of a less-than-ideal beginning, um, you can do great things. And God is uh, not a God who holds things against you based upon your uh, based upon the way that man, men look at you. Okay, so I'm sure there are children—there used to be this term, illegitimate children, like you were born— out of a uh, relationship that was not a marriage relationship. Nobody's illegitimate with God. It's important to remember that, Um, which we'll work our way back to that thought in just a second. But Proverbs 19 offers great wisdom 
or instruction on wisdom and perspective. And we're in an era where there's a lot of blaming going on for things that people experience or do not achieve. Proverbs 19, verse 20 says, Listen to advice and accept instruction, and in the end you will be wise. Now, you know how much I esteem wisdom, and Proverbs is a place where I feel like wisdom is there to be adopted, to be understood, to be ingrained. So listen to advice and accept instruction, and in the end you will be wise. So to get wisdom, you don't study. He didn't say study hard. What did he say? He says, listen and be humble enough to accept instruction. So if you listen and you're humble, you can um, put yourself in a position where you can gain wisdom. Now, Proverbs 19.8 says, he who gets wisdom, so you you, uh, listen and accept instruction to get it. And then he says, if you get it, when you get it, he who gets wisdom loves his own soul. Loves his own soul. Now, the soul is eternal. The soul doesn't die when your body dies. He who cherishes understanding prospers. So if you accept instruction and you listen to advice, you'll be wise. And then when you're wise, you'll love your own soul. You'll understand the eternal perspective on life. You'll understand prioritizing the things that are eternal, not the things that are temporal. And you will cherish understanding. You will prosper. So if you do all that, uh, it reflects the priority that you put on your soul and that eternal perspective will set yourself up for prosperity by um, elevating, esteeming the ability to discern and understand things. Okay, so there's two things we learned from chapter 19 in Proverbs. Another verse right after 1920 is 1921. Many are the plans in a man's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. So you can think, scheme, connive, detail, orchestrate, envision. You can have plans. But is it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. If you're not in line, if you're not in alignment with his purpose, guess what? You're not going to prevail. He's always going to prevail. So what is the Lord's purpose? So, you know, it says many are the plans in a man's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. What's the Lord's purpose? That's well, not to deny you good things. It's not to punish you. The overarching story of the Bible, if I had to describe the Bible, what is the Bible? The Bible is God's story of redeeming love, how much he loves you, what he did to redeem you, and to bring you to him. So think of that. The Lord's purpose is to bring you to him. The Lord's purpose is to refine you and shape you and mold you to what? Become more like his son, Jesus Christ who came to earth to model how to live in a godly way. So the Lord's purpose is for you to live that way, to reflect his glory to other people. That is his purpose. And that is why he sends, allows adversity in our life. So that we, in my case, I took a bunch of blows to the head (laughs) and adversity to make me realize that I needed to prioritize the things that were of him and to listen to him and to try to adopt the mind that he has. Now, I'll never be able to do that. I'll never be able to understand that fully. We, in our mortal bodies, are not capable of that, and God is God, and we are humans. But that is his purpose, is to draw you to him. Now, think of how cool that is. Like, he wants to hang out with you eternally. So he sent his son 
And if you think you're not worth anything, born in tough circumstances, started out tough in life, did some rotten things, uh, suffered some blows, if you think you're not worthy, you realize the price God paid for you? Like, in life, we, we value things based upon the cost, right? What's the value of that? What's the value of your house? Oh, it's a million-dollar house. Wow, million-dollar house. We just assume a million-dollar house is nicer than a $200,000 house. Well, if you evaluate yourself based upon what God paid to hang out with you forever, the life of his son, that ought to tell you what you're worth to God. That ought to tell you what his purpose is in redeeming you so he can hang out with you. Now, Proverbs 19.3 examines the other side of this issue. What if you don't prize wisdom? What if you don't prize understanding? What if you don't understand that even with all your best plans, it's the Lord's purpose that will prevail? Proverbs 19.3 says, A man's own folly ruins his life, but his heart rages against the Lord. So people who go through lives of uh, misery and um, are always blaming others for their difficulties, God says, you know, you can rage against me, but uh, it's your own folly, your own foolishness, your own bad decisions that have brought you down. And I think that's true. I think most people don't recognize the correlation in life between uh, our behavior and our results. I didn't for a long time. Uh, Each of us, every day, lives with the consequences of our own choices. And when we make bad choices, uh, we can either learn from them and grow, or we can ignore the consequences, and we can and will, unfortunately, if we don't learn from them, repeat them over and over and over. Um, And so keep in mind what your true worth is. The tragedy of many lives is that they allow other people to define them. There's a lot of talk now about hate speech and prejudice and uh, disadvantaging certain people based upon their ethnicity, based upon their gender, based upon very, very other, various other characteristics. If you keep in mind, keep top of mind who God says you are, and what God says you're worth, you're his child, you are worth the life of his son so he could redeem you. Because the only way you can get to heaven and hang out with God forever is to accept the cleansing sacrifice of his son Jesus. If you're not going to keep that top of mind, if you're always going to blame others, if you're always going to believe the lies people tell about you, you're not worthy, you're not this, you're not that. If you're going to allow them to define you by the names they call you, by the things they say about you, by the way they make you feel, rather than what you know to be true from Scripture, which is God loves you infinitely, not based upon your behavior, based upon the fact that he made you. God provided a way for you to be cleansed in his sight of your sin, wrong attitudes, lousy language, selfishness, bad habits, things like that. He provided... Jesus' death on the cross is a way to cleanse you if you just accept that as your payment for sins, which a payment you can't make. 
So he's made that available to you because he wants to hang out with you forever. You just have to accept that deal, that transaction. It's the greatest transaction in history. People talk about great trades in sports. Oh, we stole this guy, blah, blah, blah. There's no better trade in history than trading your sin and your unworthiness for Christ's perfection and thus eternal life in heaven. So that's what we know about what God thinks about you and the price he paid for you. And acknowledging that, understanding that, um, owning that, adopting that will make you wise, will make you understand that others don't define you, will make you realize that it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. And the more you can bring your life in alignment with his way of viewing your self-worth, his way of helping you understand that you gain by giving, by serving, rather than by taking and trying to get more, 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 more power, more prestige, more prominence, more whatever, then you will find that you will have incredible peace in this life and you will experience a rich life no matter what your circumstances are. And that is what I would like to leave you with today. So thank you very much for joining the podcast. Appreciate your time. Appreciate you listening. Hope you have a great day. I will talk to you again Monday after what I hope is Ohio State's eighth straight win, 7-0 since C.J. Walker came back. He's starting to play well. Uh, He was in double figures last night. I think he's been double figures in four of the last five or three of the last four. E.J. Liddell and Dwayne Washington were great. They're all going to need to be great on Sunday. And you can read my story about that game on PressProsMagazine.com. That's a site to remember. Follow me on Facebook. Uh, Leave me a review at iTunes. Would love that. And if you are so inclined to support the podcast on Patreon, you can do that too. Appreciate it. Have a great day. Talk to you again on Monday.